0: So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Hello, I'm Teresa McKee, your host for A Mindful Moment. Thank you for joining me as we explore ways to increase mindfulness in our day-to-day experiences. Mindfulness is presence, awareness. It's paying attention to what's happening within us and around us. Mindfulness increases our emotional, physical, and mental well-being. It can also enhance our focus and productivity, and there are many health benefits from practicing mindfulness and meditation, from lowering blood pressure to increased longevity. Perhaps most importantly in today's chaotic world, mindfulness strengthens our ability to be more compassionate to ourselves as well as others. I'm here today with Tom Glazer, a psychologist and life coach and author of Full Heart Living, Conversations with the Happiest People I Know. Welcome, Tom.
1: Teresa, thanks so much for having me.
0: Well, I love the book, and I have to say I really appreciate that you added in how to put everything into practice. Mm. And I want to bring that up right away because I think it's so helpful to readers trying to apply what they're learning because... Sometimes, you know, we read a book and then we sit it down and we don't take action. And so I think that helps spark that change that we're looking for.
1: You are referring to the workbook section of my book. I I will tell you, it's controversial. There are readers who hate that part. They're like, don't don't tell me what to do. And other people love it. And and early readers did say, this is great material, but we really want to bring it home. And that's why I added it. So for those of you who like assignments, it's there. Yeah. And if you don't, you don't have to do the assignment. But no, I just, I think
0: a lot of people need that guidance. They're busy and they're, you know, Mm -hmm. they don't want to take the time to figure it out on their own. So I think it's helpful. So thank Thank you for that. Let's start with what led you to study happiness?
1: Oh, boy. Uh, Teresa, this came out of the unhappiest period of my adult life. I had my dream job uh, for seven years and I was determined and planned to retire doing this job where I, I was senior counseling psychologist uh, at a college. So I got to do the individual psychotherapy that I love to do. And I got to teach about a wellness promotion topic. So it's, it's like all the things that I love I got to do every day. Things changed dramatically when a new coworker showed up on the same uh, very uh, small staff. We were paired regularly for all the wellness promotion activities and this person couldn't stand me and I tried everything I could to try to make it work and it was just going south and I got depressed and in the midst of my grief I noticed really happy people all around me and I got curious first of all I observed then I got brave and I started asking them some questions and it, it just snowballed into these kind of mini documentaries I called them and on the first day of filming I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Because I had known for years I w- would write a book one day, but I didn't know what it was going to be about until the first day of filming on Break. I'm like, "Oh, I th- I was having so much fun! It was one of the, of the best days of my own life, meeting with happy people, talking about what makes them tick. What could be better than that? So that's when I decided to write a book on the topic. Fantastic! And I think that that's a great story, um, and you
0: go into detail in it in the book. I think so many people, I mean. Most of my job is coaching people that are unhappy at work. It's almost always a coworker or a
1: supervisor, right? So if
0: if we can, people can
1: relate to the story and sadly true. Yeah. Yes. Very true. Mm -hmm. But
0: I also think it's important because, you know, when you get to that point, you do have to make a decision and the decision may be being a mindfulness teacher, learning, like using it as a learning opportunity if Mm -hmm. you're not too miserable. But if you're too miserable, sometimes you just have to go and it works out, right? I mean, it always works out. So I think that's great. Now, there's a lot of definitions of happiness and people use happiness and joy and contentment interchangeably. And so I think maybe it would be important to understand what is your definition of happiness?
1: I'm going to answer with a non-answer. So okay. forgive me in advance. <laughs> so and this is inspired by Gretchen Rubin who wrote The Happiness Project and a bunch of under, other phenomenal books. I love what she came to about this very question cuz because there aren't agreed upon definitions even in science. I can't remember the number. I feel like it's like 17 or 21 definitions in science. So like like nobody really agrees and what what Gretchen says is it is a subjective term, and it doesn't really matter that we can't all agree on what it is. And she says it's kind of like art, right? We, we don't have words to well describe art. Happiness is the same way, the same thing. We can't really explain it, but we know it when it's there. And furthermore, Gretchen Rubin says, it doesn't matter so much that we can't define it, it matters that we are going for it, that we're striving, that it, it's, it's like a motivating force. And it seems to be universal across all cultures. All of us strive and want happiness. And there's something about that leaning toward it, having goals, that is very, very good for the human spirit. Now, I'm not talking about empty goals here, not the material things. Sometimes that can it's not all bad, but if if that's all that we're going for, no, that's not the kind of thing I'm talking about. I'm talking about striving toward a life of meaning, going toward things that bring meaning and purpose into your life. That does good, not just for the individual, but for everyone.
0: Absolutely. For people that are striving to be happy, pursuing happiness, do you think
1: people can be happy all of the time? Oh my gosh, it's a great question. It comes up a lot. Absolutely not, of course, is the answer to that question. And it is why I chose the title of my book, Full Heart Living, because I learned that happier people are, first of all, they're not happy all the time. What they do differently, less happy people try to resist the other times. Less happy people try to suppress and push down and avoid so-called negative experiences or emotions. And it makes them more miserable. Happier people embrace it all. So if they're sad, they're sad. They allow themselves to be sad. If they're mad, they allow themselves to be mad, on and on and on. And they know it's temporary, Teresa. They know it's not going to last forever. And you know, if if we can experience this side, we can also experience that side. If we're suppressing this side, we also suppress this side. So let it all flow. Let it flow.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, that really does tie a lot into mindfulness, which helps people be with difficult emotions or situations. But I'm wondering how you feel mindfulness can help increase our happiness.
1: Oh, my gosh. So it's in the book. You probably remember this piece. Uh, I stumbled upon mindfulness, it was either spring or fall when I I realized I'd completely missed the season, the leaves had come about. At that time, I was walking to work past hundreds of trees. And when did when did the leaves arrive? And I'm like, Oh, my God, I completely missed that because I was so caught up in my mind just thinking about the day ahead or what had happened. I, and, and the workday and the walk home. This, I'm like, this is ridiculous. So I took an MBSR class, mindfulness based stress reduction class, and it it woke me up, like just to coming into the present moment, being here now, so I can appreciate this glorious sunset or these glorious trees that are just beginning to uh, blossom or that are uh, turning the incredible beautiful colors of the, of the whole spectrum. Um, so mindfulness helps me be here so I don't miss out. Again, less happier people are less mindful. They again because they're trying to avoid so much. So it again, these things generalize psychologically. If we want to avoid and suppress certain emotions, then then we end even though we don't mean to, we end up generalizing. So less happy people are not as in the present moment when when i'm in the present moment i can, i'm open to the incredible gifts of the right now
0: it's amazing and if you consider i think it's 47% of our time is habitual which means we're not really paying attention and then if we're trying to suppress uncomfortable feelings now we're dipping into the other half of life that's left right so you really are narrowing down what you're getting to experience on yes. both sides the joyful and the not so joyful correct well along those lines mm-hmm. and we certainly live in a world full of distractions. So it is, it takes practice to be mindful. But what we've just been talking about is sort of being aware, right, of the external, what's going on around us. And wondering if you can talk a little bit about the benefit of taking the time to tune in to our own feelings with what's oh, going on.
1: Huge, huge. Happier people know who they are, they know what's happening in their bodies, in their emotions, in their thoughts. Less happy people have less awareness of those things, and then it limits the choices that we can make, right? When negative thoughts or feelings that may not even be true, say about myself, come up, if I'm not aware that I'm doing that and they're not even true, I don't have the leverage to confront those thoughts and to refute them. If I know I'm thinking negatively about myself, I can go, wait a minute, is this really true? Am I really you know, so unattractive because I have so much less hair than I used to? <laughs> <laughs> or is it like other people, like like other people have physical differences and all I care about is how it feels to be with them. I might notice their receding hairline, but I, that is not what I think of when I first think of that person. What I think of is the experience of being with them and looking in their eyes and the laughs that we have and the things that we have in common. Yeah, definitely.
0: Definitely. In addition to happy, because it, it certainly helps you feel happy, but I just think it's there's a it's like going from black and white to Technicolor. If people, if anybody in the audience knows what either of those are, <laughs> but it's like it's a, well, a richness. Just watch The Wizard of Oz.
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. Just
0: like The Wizard of Oz. <laughs> uh, exactly, well, you, mindfulness. It, it is, yeah.
1: Yes, what, like like I can see every blade of grass. Like 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 wh- when I got glasses, I didn't yeah. know that you could see individual blades of grass. It's very similar, that kind of thing to life.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's a great analogy. Thanks.
0: Well, you you have a, a whole chapter in the book about really self-care. Yes. And so I'm wondering if you can explain why practicing, and I'm asking this because so many people tell me they don't have time to take yeah. care of
1: themselves. Right?
0: So if you can talk a little bit about why practicing self-care actually
1: makes us happier. Well, it sets the foundation. It's not uh, its not the whole shebang. It's not um, enough to just practice good nutrition and sleep hygiene and to move our bodies, but it gives the brain <laughs> the ability to do the other things that help make us happier. So yes, I get crabby if I haven't eaten, if I haven't slept well, right. when I'm not moving my body as much, like I'm more sluggish. Right, it's just naturally. This is what happens. That's our biology. So we are meant to move. As Dr. Henry Emmons, who I quote in the book, says, our bodies are meant to move, and we're not meant. Our bodies are not designed to consume a ton of refined sugar and uh, flowers, and you know all the all the junk food. So like the body doesn't know what to do when we introduce, uh, I don't know, a Cheeto or a Dorito. The body doesn't know what to do with it. It's the analogy I like to make with that is it's information. All these things, sleep, diet, exercise, even like social media or the news that we watch, that's information to our body. It, it has an impact on us physiologically. And if we feed our system the wrong information, just like the old Google searches, Before they had spell correction, remember that if we (laughs) misspelled a key term, we it would take us somewhere that we absolutely didn't want to go and usually very unhelpful. The body is the same way. On the other hand, when we do feed it well, when we give it the rest that it needs, and when I say rest, it's not just sleep, I mean waking downtime where we're not just distracted scrolling on social media. What are what activities really because that's distraction. Social media distracts us from what's actually going on in the moment. All those things set us up. It, it like, like Then we have the potential to lean in to these other things, like some of the things we've been talking about, that lead us to happier lives. And by, may I say, too, happiness is not just selfish. This isn't just hedonistic and just for me. No, no, no. Happier people do more good deeds in the world. They volunteer more. They donate more money to good causes. They do less harm in the world. They do less harm to the environment. They The contagion effect, happier people help other people feel happier. So it's a win-win. It's not. It's not just selfish.
0: And I think the self-care area is really critical at this time of year in this country. We have listeners in other countries, but in this country, starting now, we have the election season coming up, which is fraught with negativity and fighting and you know just kind of ugliness and we've got the holidays with the pressure and the rich foods full of sugars <laughs> and uh maybe we cut back on sleep to try to catch up on all the things we have to get done because it's the holidays and so I appreciate uh, you sharing that because I think it's so important that if we remember if we take care of ourselves first, then we have more to give. Right to others, oh, but if exactly. we don't, right? If we eat, you know, a whole pumpkin mm. pie and watch mm. one of the twenty-four hour news broadcasts, you know, all day, we're not going to feel good. We're not going to feel happy.
1: Mm. No. <laughs> so. It reminds me so much of—I'll um, never forget one of my favorite instructors in graduate school, Dr. Chuck Loafy, talked about taking a walk by himself after work every day before he went home to his family, and people, it's just like you're saying people, because how do you have time for that? Well, he, he said, because it's quality time with my family, not only quantity. So yes, he could have had an extra hour with his family. Would he have been as present with them? No, he knew it was a gift to his family to take that walk every single night.
0: This last weekend, I went to breakfast with a friend and I'm under a lot of deadlines. And I was thinking,
1: should I cancel that? Because
0: I could use that, but I'm in LA. So the drive time and then of course the time to chat and then the drive home. And really it's automatic for me uh, because I practice mindfulness. It was like, okay, relationships are important to our health and happiness. And if I stay in this room another seven days in a row, I'm not going to be happy, right? So I got in the car and went, and then I was actually not only happier, but more productive by the time I got back. You talk about the importance of relationships Talk a little bit about why relationships are so important. And I'm not talking about necessarily romantic relationships, just relationships oh, no. with people. Why Absolutely. is that so important if we're trying to uh, really feel happier?
1: It's the number one thing, actually, that I found. Uh, happier people have strong bonds. And right, it doesn't have to be a primary romantic relationship. Our culture tends to idealize that. No, no, no. That's great for, you know, it's nothing wrong with that. It's fine if that's part of your life. It's so okay if it's not. um, Many very happy people are single or in uh, non-traditional relationships. So anyhow, happier people have a tribe. They have people that they connect with really deeply and they spend a lot of time with them because they are both expressing love and receiving love. I think if you didn't do anything else, and and there's like, I I can't even remember the number of chapters. Let's say there's 18 chapters in my book. If you only focus on relationships, you're going to be happier. If you just enhance or uh, obtain more deeply satisfying relationships, humans have, we have a need to be seen by others. We must be known. It's like the mirroring thing that a caregiver gives to an infant. It's absolutely essential. We know this, right? That the caregiver makes eye contact before the child's even verbal. Makes eye contact, laughs together. It's like that like we never lose our need to be seen. We absolutely must have it. It is as essential to thrive as air and water. You know, if you go back to tribal times,
0: that was the punishment, was to be ignored, right? To not be seen, to right. be outcast. And it's yes. yeah, very, very unhealthy for us. Yes. Let me touch on just a couple of other things. You do talk about the misperception that happy people have fewer challenges in life than unhappy people. And so could you share a little bit about why resilience might be really good for, for helping us hold both maybe joy and sorrow?
1: Yes, absolutely. So, right. Right. Uh, There's absolutely no evidence that happier people have fewer hardships, fewer challenges. It's it's what they do with them. And it's sort of what I was alluding to earlier with the the whole title of the book, Full Heart Living. Happier people simply embrace those times. They know that it is inevitable. It's part of life at this time on this plane. And so suffering is coming up right now. This is mindfulness again. Oh, this is a moment of suffering. You know, I'm really sad right now. I'm grieving right now and that is a piece of resilience right there right that mindfulness that opening to the truth of what's coming up and then when and not just stopping there okay so that's what's happening so what listening to the message to me whatever happens is a message from the inside so 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 noticing in my body that i'm sad and i feel it in my chest and in my eyes and in my throat Okay, and what's the message? What's my body trying to tell me? That might be that I need to just slow down and be sad for a while. It might be that I need to go for a hike. I don't know. It might be that I need to hang out with some people. It might be might be that I need to call a friend and say, "Oh my god, I am so sad right now. Here's why. Here's what's going on in my life." And all these things do fill that resilience cup so that we bounce back sooner again less happier people do less of the things i'm talking about right now and then we find you know like prolonged grief right it takes them longer to work through the inevitable stages of grief just to use that i use that as an example because i've i've lost both parents in the last few years i'm very familiar with it so sorry
0: i think it's a good reminder to people too that Resilience—you can learn. It's not you're not born with you not necessarily born with it. You can learn and increase your resilience level, and I do think that's a key factor in in happiness. Because again, we're not going to be happy all of the time, but if our resilience is high, we bounce back faster. And so, it's not a matter of happy people don't have any problems, right? It's a matter of happier people tend to have higher resilience because. They've worked on it or done done the exercises, like in the book, or you know, there's a multitude of ways through emotional intelligence, which you also include in the book. So, I think that's really important because some people may be feeling they've used up all their resilience over the past couple of years, but it's not true. It's in there, right? We can tap into it. I'm sure you're aware there's this mass movement of people shifting careers or life goals. Everybody's kind of reevaluating the rest of their lives these days, and you talk about how to support yourself during this in the book. So can you share some tips for those out there that are listeners that are maybe trying to
1: break away from even long-standing careers to pursue what they really want? One of my favorite phrases and that I use with clients and myself all the time. So so yeah, a major change like that and I went through this cuz I did give up my dream job that turned into a nightmare. Um I was very anxious. Because I was attached and I thought I was going to retire there. I hadn't really thought about what else I might do. I didn't have a plan B. That's going to bring up anxiety. It's going to bring up worry. It's a big step to make a career. So number one is just acknowledging that truth. Oh, this is big and I'm scared. And then filling in that question. So so given that I'm scared, and the reason this phrase came about, it's from my gestalt training back in the early 90s. Um. What do I need to do to support myself? So what do I need to do? It's active mm-hmm. to support myself. When we're anxious, anxiety is a state or worried. Some people don't love the term anxiety. Um, and I'm using it broadly here. Um, we, we almost always there's something we want. There's energy for something. The energy is unsupported though, psychologically. So answer that question, what do I need to do to support myself? You get support under that energy and the anxiety is not going to go away, but it's easier to deal with. So again, what do I mean when I, like what kinds of things answer that question? It's it's very similar to what I was just saying around grief. So, okay, where is it in my body? What's the message from this anxiety, this worry, or this place in my body? What are the butterflies in my stomach telling me? Are they telling me? I need to talk to a trusted loved one who's going to tell me I'm going to be okay. Yes, probably. But then I know I'm not alone. Oh, on my worst days, I've got my spouse. I've got my parent. I've got my sibling. I've got my best friend, my cousin, my uncle, my aunt, whatever. I've got this team. I like to call, think of it as a board of directors. Who's, who's in my board of directors? Right? Who can I count on? Who is really there for me? And that doesn't always have to be only people who are alive at this time, right? That people get to stay on my board of directors even after they've gone to the other plane. (laughs) Excellent. And other ways of supporting oneself, maybe it's physical activity. Maybe it's meditation, calming, slowing down. It, It depends on the situation and your current need. The idea is what do I need? What do I need to do to support myself?
0: That's wonderful. And I think it's just, again, it's critical because when people become overwhelmed like with too many choices or not having a clear idea yet or any of that, once that fight or flight response kicks in because of anxiety or fear or you know whatever, the distressing feeling of not being sure, um, it makes it harder to think. and we certainly put ourselves last, I think. we don't think to ask ourselves that question. even the even a shorter version, what is it I need right now in this mm-hmm. moment? What do I need? And that's part of like exactly. we were talking about earlier. The checking in, the tuning in. And that, to me, that always is going to lead to happiness. Even if you don't get exactly what you want, it's that being aware what's going on. And then also being aware that everything passes, everything changes, and we're still fine. We're still here, right? Yes. Well, where should people go if they
1: want to hear more about your work? Do you have a website? Yeah. Fullheartliving.com. H-E-A-R-T. Fullheartliving.com. You can buy the book there. I have a tool for enhancing relationships through Conversation Sparks called Full Heart Living Conversation Sparks, which includes, by the way, um, detailed listening instructions so that people feel heard, feel seen, and connect more deeply with themselves and others. Well, we'll include a link to your book on
0: our website at a mindfulmoment.com, and people can uh, view this interview if they'd like on our YouTube channel. And I just want to thank you so much for joining us today. I think everyone deserves to be happy. And this book is a great just process to go through to kind of help you get on track and figure out maybe maybe you don't need help in all of the areas, but you can find the one you do need for sure in probably a few.
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you, Teresa. It's been a pleasure.
0: Until next time, I encourage you to meditate daily and be mindful in all of your everyday activities. Simply bring your full awareness to the present moment to build your mindfulness skills, paying attention to every detail of what you're doing, from washing dishes, to work tasks, to taking a walk. Your mind will wander, and that's normal. Each time you notice it has wandered, that's mindfulness. Consider how wonderful the world could be if everyone was mindful. You can help make that happen. It all starts with a mindful moment. This podcast is part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to other great shows like the Daily Meditation Podcast, Everything Everywhere, and Movie Therapy. We deeply appreciate your support at patreon.com slash Moment. Please be sure to subscribe to A Mindful Moment and follow us on Instagram at A Mindful Moment Podcast. Visit our website, amindfulmoment.com, to access podcasts, scripts, and book recommendations. A Mindful Moment is written and hosted by Teresa McKee and or Melissa Sims. The Spanish version is translated and hosted by Paola Tile. Intro music, Retreat by Jason Farnham. Outro music, Morning Stroll by Josh Kirsch, MediaWrite Productions. Thank you for tuning in. This podcast is produced by Work to Live Productions.